This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. Good afternoon, everybody. Just add my welcome. If you're our guest here today, you're especially welcome. My name's James. Amongst... um, as well as not liking Christmas decorations after Christmas. <laughs> I, uh, hey, it was a miracle. It lasted till the 2nd of Jan. I mean, I would have taken them down on the 26th if I'd had my way. But we still had a family Christmas on the 26th. Tw- Face looked like it's remotely bothered, no? <laughs> Say what you want. I wore my Christmas jumper once. I am Christmassy, and that's it. It will do for another year. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Happy New Year. I love the New Year. Um, that's not even true either. Right. If you've got a Bible with you, stick your finger in 2 Peter 3 and then open it up to Colossians 3. I, I mean, I, do, I genuinely love Christmas at Christmas. And then um, the New Year is like fun for about five minutes, isn't it? And then you go, yeah, oh, it's the same as it was before. And uh, to be honest, this year, I, I kind of saw a real sense of, Thank goodness that was over, 2021. I mean, there were good moments, and I absolutely loved what we were reminded of in, in worship just now, of uh, God's always at work, and He's always doing good things in and amongst everything else, and we can so often be uh, tempted to, to look at the stuff when we actually need to lift our heads and look at the good stuff uh, more often than we look at the difficult things. But uh, normally, when you start a new year, it's kind of like, oh, this is it. New Year, let's go, all sort of excited about it, and truthfully, I'm not really sure what's going to happen in 2022, uh, and kind of ended 2021, I think it's something we've learned in the last two years, isn't it, just that sense of actually, when the Bible says you don't know what tomorrow brings, we really don't, and we've had to learn to be way more biblical in the last couple of years, and uh, kind of, I, I'd come into this year feeling a bit sort of I identified with that word from Carolyn, just a bit tired and a bit sort of, oh, here we go. And I think actually, I was shown this week a graphic, a guy, Rich Johnson, I think it was, um, put, if you could shuck it up there, uh, that, that has been the last two years. That might go some way to describing why some of us feel a bit as we come in. If you're one of those people who's like, I have no idea what this feeling is, I have absolutely smashed it for the last two years and come into 2022 full of the joys of spring, good for you. We love you. Just don't talk to us. (laughs) I mean, that goes some way to describing it, doesn't it? And without whatever your views are on this, that, and the other, frankly, that's irrelevant. The reality is the last two years have not been normal. And uh, we start this year. If you could turn that off now, because everyone's just going to spend time looking at that and going, what was I doing on We When Her? But really, over the last 12 months, that kind of Romans 12, 12 verse is sort of... uh, we've lived with and they have to continue living with, rejoice in hope, having to learn how to rejoice in hope rather than watch the news all the time. Be patient in tribulation. We've had to learn patience and, and some of us are still having to learn that. And be constant in prayer. We've had to fight and contend for that and something that we need to continue to contend for. And uh, as we go into to this new year, there is a lot of unknowns still. A lot of kind of 
I'm not quite sure how this is going to happen and that's going to happen and whatever. But I, many of you were here on New Year's Eve. And I shared on New Year's Eve um, that I just really felt that Colossians 3 was going to be a bit of a key passage of Scripture for us in terms of shaping our approach of how we are to, uh, not what to do, but how we are to do the things that God has called us to as a church community and as a family. And so if you've got your Bible, just look at that. It says, if you have then... If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And if you are not a believer here today and you're just visiting us, you need to understand that we live as Christians. We're not immune from the world. Obviously, we live in the same world. But the Bible tells us to not look at the things of this world but to fix our eyes on above, to look at Jesus. And that's not like he's just sitting above the cloud line somehow, and if you stare long enough, you'll see him. But it talks about him in 1 Peter, even though you have not seen him, your eyes, you know him, and you rejoice in that. And so we look with eyes of faith. And the reason we do is verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Second, you became a Christian, your life becomes hidden in Christ. It's like it's put in. All the old stuff is cast off, and you are now hidden in Christ. And so when God the Father looks on you, the reason we can celebrate this wonderful gospel is not because we are now all sorted. Became a Christian and you're suddenly sorted. No, you're not. But your life is now hidden in Christ. And so when God the Father looks on you, he sees Jesus Christ, who is perfect. And so he looks on you and he takes great delight in his son, Jesus. And so he takes great delight in you because your life is hidden in Christ. Verse four, and when Christ who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. And then Paul tells us, verse five, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. And there's a long list of stuff that we should no longer take part in or participate in. We should look differently. We should act differently. We should live differently. Don't act the way the world acts not in order to earn your salvation, but because you have been saved. So we don't do these things, but we do do these. And this is where I kind of feel like for us, particularly as a church family, a church community, a new community in 2022, these verses, particularly verse 12 onwards, are really important. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, to choose to put it on. You have to choose to be kind. Humility meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful, not just when things are good, be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in whatever sphere of life you are, whatever you're going to be doing this time tomorrow or throughout the week, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, this kind of reshaping work that God has begun in us, if you've been coming for the last 
several months or last year or so, you would know God's doing this work in us over this last 18 months, reshaping us to be more personal, more patient, more local. Uh, And that's going to continue in 2022. It's not like, oh, good, we can move on now. 2021's done. We can stop talking about that stuff. Now, God's still on this journey of changing us and shaping us. And truthfully, I don't know exactly how that's all going to look. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I, I, I don't know. I've got some sense of ideas, but... But thankfully, it's not down to me. Jesus is the one who is building his church. Not me, not any individual, not a team of us or anything. It's Jesus building his church. And just really feel that these words from Colossians 3 are significant in terms of our direction, where we're heading, fixing our eyes on Jesus more and more and more. And as we do that individually and collectively, then the sense of direction becomes clearer for us. But also, perhaps more importantly, in terms of our attitudes as we're on the journey there, how we live with one another, how we treat one another, how we prefer one another, how we honor one another. Romans 12 is another passage that has, has shaped us, and we'll come back to that later in the year, outdoing one and each other in honor, serving one another, loving one another. And then just this week, um, a friend <laughs> sent me this uh, a link to a little video message from a guy called Patrick Regan. Some of you have heard of him. He was the guy who set up a charity called XLP and recently set up something called Kintsugi. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, Hope. Uh, and I just thought it was absolutely excellent. So I, I just want to show it to you. Hey, I just want to say massive, massive thank you for your support in 2021. And as we go into 2022, just very simply, please continue to go gently. I know I've been saying this uh, for a couple of months now, but I do feel that people are genuinely exhausted. And a couple of weeks off at Christmas, (laughs) especially if you've got kids, is not gonna do it for you. And as we go into this new year, there was always huge expectations, this desire to set goals and to go for it. And and goal setting is not a bad thing. It can be really helpful, but actually, you know what? is I think people need to still process what we've been through. And uh, there's not going to be a quick fix. I remember whenever I went for counselling, I wanted to know how many sessions until I'm fixed. And life doesn't work like that. So please go gently. I know so many leaders that are burnt out. You know, I'm sick of uh, hearing the latest all-conquering theory on evangelism or church planting or or this event or that event and, and how this is going to be the next new thing. You know, I want to get back to love God, love your neighbor as yourself, um, to listen. Go gently is an act of rebellion because what it's saying is the culture of our time that says that we need to get even, that we need to... Um, Uh, sling mud at people that we don't agree with, that we need to be aggressive on social media and uh, as if that's going to change the world. Go gently. Go gently is an act of rebellion. And uh, and my prayer for you this year is, you know, we've all been through so much. Um, We've got people that need us to understand where they're going through. We need people that need us not to fix them, but to love them. And uh, so my prayer is, please go gently. And thank you so much. Uh, for your support. I really, really appreciate it. May God bless you. Just genuine words of wisdom I just thought was super helpful and um, just a picture of kind of having felt this Colossians 3 stuff to then be sent that and you think, great. I feel this is God speaking to us. And as I kind of mentioned, as we start this year, there's so many unanswered questions, right? Lots of things we need to sort out, need to work out how this works and how that works and how we reshape this and how we do that. And so there's lots of things that we probably ought to do, lots of things we could do, 
Lots of things we perhaps should do and should focus on and should prioritize and all the rest of it. But truthfully, there's one thing we need to. Colossians 3 verse 1, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So if you've got your Bible, flick it now open to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's a bit later on in the New Testament towards the end. And Peter writes this letter most likely from prison. And uh, it's not too long before his death by execution. He's about to die. And he's writing to a bunch of Christians for whom life is hard. Significant challenge being faced by the people of God. It's real. They're kind of being persecuted or in threat of being persecuted, often downtrodden. And he wants his readers throughout 2 Peter to, to really hold on to truth. Don't look at the kind of this stuff over here. If he was writing today, he'd say, stop reading that on the internet and stop looking at that and stop believing that, the thing that you saw on Facebook and stop listening to that gossip down in wherever. And this, that, hold on to truth, which you're only going to find in one place, in the word of God. And he says, hold on to truth, live by faith. And how important that is in a fallen and broken world that's full of heresy and false teaching that can derail you and cause you to get sidetracked in all sorts of ways. And in chapter three, there's a few things going on. There's this, first of all, there's this real sense of how long, God? How long, Lord? How long is all this rubbish going to carry on for? All this darkness, all this sinful mess, all this scoffing at goods. How long is it going to continue? This is hard. When are you going to do something? And Peter reminds us that God's loving kindness is everlasting. He will ensure the perseverance of his saints, not because ultimately because we are faithful, but because he is. He will see us through. And one day, says, Jesus will return. And then all the wicked, all the scoffing, all the mocking, well, they'll see that was misplaced and it will be dealt with. And the faithful will see that their hope was true. Let's pick it up, 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed every wrong will be righted. Every injustice will be dealt with. All of the mess, all of the brokenness, it will be made right. Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Because it's all going to be dealt with. Make sure you don't act like the world does. Act differently. Be blameless, waiting, verse 12, for the hastening, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. It's a nice image, isn't it? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We are living here waiting for a new heavens and a new earth that will be made perfect. So how we live now is how we're going to live then. That's what it's about. None of us are perfect. We'll get it wrong. That's where there is the patience and the loving kindness of God and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. But right now, if you believe that that's where you're one day heading, you should act like it here and now. And if you're not like interested remotely in acting like it now, I'm not entirely sure you're going to enjoy it for all eternity. It's kind of like the image going on there. And then 
in his concluding remarks, Peter kind of just reiterates the need to keep ourselves holy and blameless in these days of heresy and hardship. Not to earn our salvation. Your good behavior doesn't earn your salvation. But because you are saved, you will now act like this. And he says, verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Be diligent. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. And then if you ever find the Bible sometimes a little bit confusing or hard work, this, this next verse is very encouraging to you because even Peter, who wrote some of the Bible, found some of what Paul said very confusing. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And this is the key verse for us. But grow, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we're going to give ourselves to in these first couple of months of 2022, focusing our attention on this, setting our minds on the things that are above, seeking Jesus, knowing him. This whole new series we're kicking off today, knowing Jesus, because there is a command here, right? Verse 18, there is a command to grow. I'm not going to lie to you. There is an expectation in the pages of Scripture that believers grow and mature. The moment you become a Christian, you're like a baby Christian, right? You're an infant. You don't know much. There is no blame. If you're a new Christian here and you're like, I, I don't understand half of the stuff we've sung about. I don't understand anything that bloke has said. I'm a new Christian. What? That's okay. Like nobody looks at a baby, like in the natural, a baby and goes, how on earth do they not know GCSE maths right now? It's kind of like just accept, no, that's all right, because we're still here. But the problem is by the time you get to GCSE maths, if you're still having your mum wipe your own backside for you, there is a problem, right? That's kind of the way it goes. And by the time you've got to, I don't know, like adulthood, if you're still getting your mum to do your washing for you, I mean, I'm sorry if that's you right now, but there is just this thing that you are supposed to mature, right, in life. Something, like all joking aside, we know that something has gone wrong, whatever reason, sadly, often it can be something serious. When adults are not, they're still like children. There is an expectation that healthy we will grow. And it's exactly the same spiritually. So if you're a new believer right now, if you're very new into this and you think, I don't know much at all. Do you know what? You're at the start of a very exciting journey because in 20 years time, you will, there is an expectation that you'll have 20 years of growth and you'll have this 20 years worth of experience and maturity to look back on. You are not expected in 20 years' time to have just done Christianity year one 20 times. You're supposed to grow. And you know, some of us, if we're honest, truthfully, we've been a Christian 20 years, 30 years, 5 years, 10 years, whatever. We're not necessarily that Christian who's got that worth of experience. We've perhaps done year one, maybe year two, and then we're just kind of repeating it. There's an old proverb, the best time to plant a tree was, well, 20 years ago. Second best time is when? Today. I heard it in our worship, the grace and the mercy of God is new every day. His faithfulness is great every day. You know what? If you've not done so well in 2021 or for however many years you've been a Christian, 
you can start afresh today because there is new mercy, new grace. It's today. Because there is an expectation that we will grow as Christians. It's a command here. But let's just be clear. This is not some heavy command. This is not Peter shouting at us, I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how weary you are. I don't care how many lockdowns you have. Grow, grow, grow. (laughs) That's not it. Peter's not shouting at people going, you've messed up for 25 years. You're useless. Bro. No, 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 no. These are Peter's parting words to weary, persecuted Christians. And he's pointing them to the one great pursuit that makes torture and even death worth it. You know, this is a command to the ever-expanding joy of knowing Jesus better. By God's grace, every day of our lives, no matter what. It's a command to grace, to trusting Jesus for what only Jesus can do. So whether you're feeling super pumped about this year or you dragged yourself over the finish line of 2021 and kind of would rather hibernate until the summer or somewhere in between, whether you've got 20 years of experience of maturity or, or you've done it year one 20 times or you've been here for 20 minutes, whatever it is, there is a command here to grow, but actually it's also it's an invitation because this is a call to here and now worship. Yes, heaven will be wonderful. And yes, for those who are in Christ, we're going to praise him there forever. But Peter is calling us to worship, which is a joy, not a task, to worship and enjoy Jesus, the king, our savior, a way maker, the miracle worker, all the stuff we praise him for earlier, redeemer, healer, friend, all of those things. Yes, we're going to worship him forever, but also now, to know Jesus now. What does it mean to be saved? I don't know if you've ever thought about that question. What does it mean to be saved? And there's lots of ways you can answer that, of course. Sin forgiven, all the rest of it, yes. But it's being saved is more about more than sitting in church, clutching our born-again certificates, being grateful that we got a free ticket to heaven, right? Jesus didn't endure, step down from heaven, endure the agony of the cross so that you and I could enter a sin management behavior system and try and just be a little bit better this year than we were last year. You know that, right? He didn't just kind of come, well, just be good now and drag yourself through. Hold on, just be a bit better and then get to heaven and it'll be all good in the end. No, 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 no. What does it mean to be saved? It means eternal living here and now. The only description of eternal life in the whole of the New Testament is found in John 17, verse 33. Jesus says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, speaking to God, the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's a description of what it is to be saved. That's a description of eternal living. Yes, we will spend eternity in the presence of God, but eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you put your trust in Jesus. The seed of eternity is placed into your heart and you step into eternal living. It's not about just drag it through here and then it's all going to get good. It's knowing Jesus here and now and then perfectly for all of eternity. And to know doesn't, let's be clear, it doesn't mean to know about him. The command to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is not a command to learn more information so that you can pass a test. To know someone biblically is intimate, right? Having knowledge of someone is about an interactive, personal, back and forth relationship. See, the gospel is the good news that Christianity is not just truth about God that you should believe. 
It's not just a lifestyle that you should adopt. It's about entering into a life-transforming relationship with the Trinity, the fullness of God, Father, Spirit, and Son. And we are commanded to grow in that. And Peter's exhortation here to grow in grace, it's a command for spiritual enlargement, if you like. It's a command for, to ever-expanding joy in Jesus. And that's the goal for us in 2022, to cultivate habits that enable us to grow in ever-increasing joy with Jesus. Not about adding a bit here and trimming off a bit there and improving a bit there and getting a bit better at that, that no matter what our circumstances are, 2022 might be even worse than the previous years. I have no idea. Put up that graphic in a year's time and there might be more red, more green, more pink. Who knows? We have no idea. It's a command that in spite of anything, ever increasing joy because we know Jesus. So to do that, we need to, firstly, we need to know who he is like in our head. But secondly, we need to cultivate habits that enable us to experience what we know so that we know. And when it comes to knowing Jesus, honestly, you might not be a Christian here this afternoon. And even if you are a Christian, there there is no more important question than the one he himself asks his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 15, when he says, but who do you say I am? Not who did your mum say I am, or your friend, or some bloke you read on the internet, or some guy who stands at the front and talks, or whoever brought you. Who do you say I am, says Jesus. And it's been a question that's been debated and discussed. It's so simple that the youngest of children can be saved by answering it. And it's so complex at the same time that the smartest of theologians could debate it for all eternity. But if eternal life means knowing Jesus Christ, then we cannot be ignorant about the one whom Song of Songs describes as the chiefest among 10,000. And so how do we know about Jesus? Well, the pages of Scripture. The pages of Scripture open our eyes to his glory. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. John spoke of Jesus as being the word who became flesh. Paul describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. But he also describes him as the man, Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews identified Jesus as both the radiance of the glory of God and as the one who partook of flesh and blood. After touching Jesus, Thomas, who was the doubting disciple, he said, you are my Lord and my God. The Old Testament is the Old Testament is just like we think. Oh, New Testament is the Jesus stuff. No, the Old Testament is full of Jesus. All these pictures, all these images, all these prophecies about him. In Genesis, he's the Creator and he's the promised Redeemer. He's the seed of the woman. He's the Passover lamb in Exodus. He's the high priest in Leviticus. He's the cloud and the fire in Numbers. He's the great prophet, the true and better Moses in Deuteronomy. And that's just Jesus in the first five books of the Bible, just a few images of Jesus in the Torah. We could go on. In the historical books, he's the captain of our salvation, the commander of the army in Joshua. He's the judge and the lawgiver in Judges. He's our kinsman redeemer in Ruth. And there's plenty more. We get to the wisdom literature and we look at Psalms and it's just full of Jesus. He's the anointed one, the son, the holy one, the good shepherd, the king of glory. The prophets are just the same. 
We celebrated at Christmas Isaiah. He is Emmanuel, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's the suffering servant. Daniel talks about him being the ancient of days, the one who is going to return on the clouds in glory. Even minor prophets like Habakkuk describe him as the everlasting, pure, glorious, and anointed one. Every page of every book points to him. He's the author, Hebrew tells us, the starter of our faith, and he's the perfecter, the finisher of it. And he's everything in between, alpha and omega, from everlasting to everlasting. Every single description, he's there in every page. He's in every single story. He is the king of glory. We haven't even touched on what he said about himself. All the I am sayings. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. We can become so over-familiar with this sometimes. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Consider this for a moment. John 21, 25, right at the end of John's gospel, it says the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written about all that Jesus did. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot in here, and it says the whole world couldn't contain everything there is to write about Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, go ahead. John tells us in Revelation 19, 12, that Jesus has a name that no one knows but himself. Think about the implications for that for a moment. We will learn yet more things of Jesus for all eternity. You're not going to get like a few thousand years into eternity and gone, ah, man, we've reached the end. We're going to learn things of Jesus, new things for all eternity. And that invitation starts now. This is eternal life that we know Jesus. We so often rightly marvel at the incredible things he's done for us. The grace he's given us, the life he's won for us, eternal life. It's already ours, all because of Jesus, not because of anything we've done, but the gift of grace. There really is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Guilt gone, shame gone, it's removed. Freedom is ours because of Jesus. You and I are now chosen, called of God, new creations. We're being changed and transformed into his image. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We are blessed beyond compare. We are set free. We are victorious. We are strong in the Lord. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are absolutely complete in him. These are all these incredible things he's done. But the glory of his person outweighs even the glory of his work on our behalf. Let me say that again. All the incredible things he's done, the glory of who he is makes all of that pale into insignificance, just so how glorious and incredibly rich and deep and beautiful he truly is. And this unbelievable prayer for us, he prays for us, for you and for me, that we might know him. (laughs) And not just knowing stuff about him, but knowing him. Listen, if you're a believer today, you start 2022 unbelievably secure in Christ. You cannot be more in Christ than you currently are. You can't be a bit in Christ and a bit out. You're either in or you're not. And if you're in Christ, you are thoroughly in Christ. There is nothing you can do to separate the him from you. There is, you are so secure. Your union with Christ, it literally cannot be improved. But what Christians of old would call our communion with Christ, well, that can be improved. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Our status as God's children is a gift. You can't give it back. There's no returns. 
But how much we enjoy that communion depends on what we do. We can't change whether we're in Christ or not, but our actions do make a difference to our enjoyment of God. You know that thing, if you never read your Bible ever again, God will love you just the same. You know, it's, it's true, kind of, but it's kind of really shallow and kind of really immature. Well, actually, it's not kind of, it is. See, what we make, what we do, makes a real difference in our experience of this relationship. There's only one way that we're going to be a Colossians 3 community, to love like that, to live like that, to act like that, and that's to spend time with him and know him, be shaped by him and changed by him. 2022, forget resolutions, cultivate habits. Cultivate habits that will improve your communion with Jesus. So how do we do that? Really quick. This firstly thing to say is there's, there's no formula. It's not like do this, one, two, three, and it's all sorted. But it does start with desire. There's no formula, but there are certain components. Reading scripture. You ain't doing it without reading the Bible. Praying. You're not going to enjoy your communion more if you don't learn how to pray. Worshiping and praising, script, praising Jesus. Like needing to be in environments where we worship individually and with others, listening to his voice, being with others, attending church every week, does you good, really does do you good. No, it does. Every week. Well, one in two. No, every week. One in three. No, that's going the wrong way. Every week, it does us good. And being in community with other people. I mean, not all communities do 15-hour retreat days. (laughs) But the premise behind spending time, spending time together in a regular thing, not just, ah, it's Wednesday night. What's the latest I can get there and the earliest I can leave? That means I still get a tick against my name. (laughs) It's a complete, like, nonsense. It's not about attending a meeting. Although meetings, gathering and gathering and meetings are important. It's about cultivating relationship in community with other people, which is why I go on about local stuff because actually one of the biggest joys in moving house in the last 18 months ago, whenever it was, is that we regularly just bump into people because they live where we live. It's like, oh, yeah, hello. And doing life together, planned moments and spontaneous moments. It's a joy, even if the kids come around and trample mud in our house. It's all right. There is no formula, you know, but it does start with desire. Jeremiah 29, 13, the Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, being with Jesus starts with a desire to be with him. One thing the psalmist says, I have asked of the Lord that I'll seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. There's a desire. Paul, who surely had an intimate knowledge of Jesus, experienced all sorts of stuff. He met the ascended Jesus and he says, I count everything else as Rubbish. I mean, he uses a stronger word. Rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. So it, start, there's no, it starts with desire. Second thing is you just got to remind your soul that Jesus wants to meet with you. I know, no, the king of the universe wants to meet with you. He wants to know you. He actually likes you. Like, you know, we can't use that. Oh, God loves me. Like in a kind of he has to because that's his nature. And I mean, no, no, no. He likes you. He loves you. Of course he does. He actually likes you. He desires to spend time with you. There's a verse in Revelation 3.20 that if you've ever been on an Alpha course, you'll have probably heard. It says, Behold, this is Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And it's often said, Hey, Jesus is knocking at the door of your life. You've got to open the door. Yeah, but this is an invite written to Christians. 
Jesus is knocking on the door of your life. He wants to come in and eat with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you. Don't, he longs to, for you to be in his presence. Don't forget your position is in Christ. God the Father loves spending time with God the Son because he looks on him and goes, wow, he's amazing. Your life is hidden in Christ. So when God the Father looks on you, he doesn't see the mess and the brokenness that you see in the mirror. He sees the beauty and the radiance and the robes of righteousness that are clothed in Christ. They're covering you. He loves you and he likes you. And he says, come and spend time with me. Third thing is we don't meet Jesus in a routine, but a routine will probably help. Right? Like culture, it's not about resolutions. It's about cultivating habits. Cultivating habits. Starting this year, I'm nine days in, smashing it out of the park. Honestly, I am. I'm absolutely nailing it. Do you know why? Because I've made just tiny little changes. <laughs> Like tiny little things. Every year I have this thing. I'm going to pray more for my kids. I've got three of them. I don't pray anywhere enough. 45 minutes every day I'm going to pray for them. And it lasts for less than 45 minutes because I start praying for my kids and I just got a long list of stuff I don't like about them. And I'm like, I keep going on. He said that. It's all right. They're in kids' work. They don't know. <laughs> all the stuff I don't like in them is the stuff I don't like about myself. I'm just. Here's the habit I made. I knew there was a reason I was talking about this. I ain't cultivating these big grand plans. No, now just every time I walk past their bedroom doors, I'll stop and pray for them outside each of their doors. I don't walk up and down the stairs in my house loads, so it's not like I'm doing it loads. But it's just a little habit. I'm going to pray for my kids every time I walk past one of their doors. I stop outside the door. What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> just praying. Just little things like that. Screens aren't in my bedroom anymore. They aren't there. Why? Because in the morning I wake up, it's like, I watch the news. Is the world still there? This, before this, every day, little habit. Just a little habit, little habit, little habit. Cultivate those things. You know, routine, we don't meet Jesus in it, but it does help us meet Jesus. As a Christian, listen, you are secure in your union with Christ. And this union makes communion with God a joyful possibility. What little habits do you need to cultivate? Being in community, getting in one. Hab habit of actually doing it, actually being there, actually getting involved, getting to know people. Habit of prioritizing being in church together. Habit of reading the word each day, even if it's only a few minutes. The habit of learning to pray each day, even if it's only for a few minutes. The command to grow is there. It's not a heavy, burdensome thing. Do not walk out here going, oh, I've got to do, got to read my Bible, I've got to do this, I've got to do. You've misunderstood what I'm saying. Walk out of here in the grace and the joy of the invitation of ever increasing, expanding joy in knowing Jesus is on offer because eternal life has been won for me and it's here and now available for me. This year, let us really grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. To him be a glory both now and to the day of eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this life you have won for us. Thank you for this invitation to come and know you and be known by you. Oh, Jesus, you are truly magnificent. We're never going to come to the end of your glory. This year in 2022, would you teach us more of your glory? You show us more of your glory. 
Would you transform us more and more? But Lord, may we not just get excited about the things you've done for us, although help us to spot them more. May we get more and more excited about you, individually and corporately. Help us to cultivate habits that will change us and transform us. And Lord, we trust that you who began this work will bring it to completion for your glory and our good, for the good of those who are currently walking in darkness, but in 2022, we believe, will be brought into the kingdom of light. For your glory and our good, in Jesus' name.